thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe and get involved. Hello, hey, what's going on? How are you doing? I hope you're well, whoever you are, whatever you're doing right now, thank you for tuning in to Question This Life. I hope you guys enjoyed the last last week's episode. It was a lot of fun to talk uh, freely and to be quite personal with you guys and kind of bring you into my life a little bit with the two new cats and uh, just in general to have a, a nice long chat with you. This week, as per usual, I'm going to split the episode up into two sections. So the first section is going to be a little bit of a summary of the last week, what's going on in my life, my overarching thoughts and so on and ponderings at the moment. And then in the second part, I'm going to dedicate the second part of this episode to lucid dreaming. The topic of lucid dreaming, dreaming in general, and some personal experiences, the things that I've learned through studying, especially one key person, and his lifetime of work and insight into the topic. His name is Robert Wagner. So I'll get into lucid dreaming, Robert Wagner's work, and my personal experience with lucid dreaming, a little bit later in the episode. So for now, I just want to say hi again, catch up with you guys and uh, give you an update as to what's going on in my life. So in the last week, I've spent a little bit of time upgrading some things in the flat. And, you know, there's always this idea of having a huge change, needing to create a huge change in the world in order to actually make a huge change in the world. And a, a concept that I really, really like is the idea, this is a concept that really rings true to me, the idea that you can make small little changes in your immediate surroundings and the ripple effect and the wave that that can have in the big wide world is huge. So it might not seem like a huge deal to a lot of people, but if it's a big deal to you and it's something that you have spent some time thinking about and stressing about and then you kind of get it fixed then that's always going to be a good effect in your life and the life of the people around you so there's been a few upgrades in the flats some new furniture a new bed a new couple of things like that and it's just nice to to have a place where you can come home and really really feel at home really really feel like everything is there for a reason that you're comfortable you're um you know you're building your 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 home. I guess that's the difference between a house and a home. So it feels good, it feels fresh and clean, and uh, that's felt really good. There's been a lot of really nice sun and a good opportunity to get out there into a little bit of the, I wouldn't quite say wilderness, but the nature that surrounds where I live. Um, I went to 
really beautiful hilly area in the outskirts of the city and it's quite unbelievable just to get that lovely fresh air and sunshine on you people kiting and kiteboarding in the background a lot of families a lot of young families and so on wandering around and enjoying enjoying the vibe which is cool you don't see so much of that at the moment but I was actually quite pleasantly surprised to come back into the city and there's a lot of stuff going on outside and people are enjoying their company each other's company and so on so that's been really cool I touched on this in the last episode um, there was a lot of uh, thinking and so on about Clubhouse this new app um, which essentially is positioning itself as the voice only audio only social media app of the future of the in a world where everything seems to be video content and photo based and text based they're really going for something quite different so it's very interesting and that's also been a very very big part of my last week we're doing a daily show on there comedy related and also jumping into other rooms and rooms that are hosted by other friends of mine who are not necessarily comedians and uh, it's been really really cool to do that and not only is it a good way of getting used to the hosting element and having you know different a range of different people joining your room and keeping the conversation lively and so on it's also been a really good uh, catalyst for motivating me towards continuing with the constant writing in terms of comedy and joke writing ideas and also generally just to keep that muscle going you know if you have a show every single day that is kind of keeping you steady you know it's coming it's going to be at least an hour or two and you don't have to speak for the whole time in fact it, it doesn't make sense to hog the conversation like that but you've got to be somewhat prepared and you've got to have some new ideas and now it's getting to the point where there's some regulars who are coming in every day and it makes sense for them not to just be hearing the same sort of thing that you've been saying in the last few days so that's been really cool and especially now in this time where there's not really a lot going on physically we can't run shows or anything at the moment in the city that uh, it's been really useful and a really cool thing to have this outlet for that so that's been definitely a big part of my my every single day this week and I can definitely see that this is going to continue to grow it's getting really really active and we're getting more people tuning in the conversations sometimes they're really really silly sometimes it's all about jokes and puns and having a good time and then other times we've had some really deep discussions you know like very uh, tricky conversations that you can't always just have openly on social media without someone uh, finding uh, you know something to take personally or things kind of getting out of hand it does seem at the moment to be an app where you can have open discussions and uh, you know as long as things are said respectfully and calmly then it seems to uh, work and all that creates is more knowledge and empathy so you know if there's a tricky situation where two people are having a disagreement as long as they're having a, a, a reasonably minded debate then at the end of it they're just going to come out of it better even if they haven't changed their opinions they're at least going to have another opinion on board in their in their mind you know it's nice to hear other people who think different ways so 
it's great when you've got a discussion room and there's you know five ten people all kind of chipping in and and having a, a really good time a really silly time sometimes and then other times a bit more serious it's just been a really really good mix so that's definitely been a big part of my um my week i've been doing a lot of projects as well a lot of freelance work things are going well with that uh i have a couple of big big things that i'm working on that are gonna obviously help pay the bills which is always great can't complain you've got to be happy and grateful about these things when they come in and uh, with the freelance work in general it does come in ebbs and flows of course there are some times where you're drowning in it and you kind of don't you don't know how you're going to get through it all you've got to start outsourcing there's all kinds of stuff you need to figure out and then other times it's a little bit dry for a few days and you're kind of thinking oops is this going to be all right the next coming months and I took the opportunity because I did have a couple of uh, quieter days in terms of paid work to update all of my portfolio pieces and just to get a bit more um, content out there in terms of marketing and growth and so on. It's very easy to get sucked into projects and to be thinking, you know, I need to get this done and every single second of my effort should be paid in terms of work when actually it makes sense to spend you know, whatever percent, 10%, 20%, 30% of your time, just improving everything, improving your infrastructure, improving your pipelines, improving your messages, improving your videos, whatever it is that you're you're trying to sell or market online, you have to kind of remember that you've got to keep things fresh and keep things moving. I've upgraded a lot of my equipment recently, a lot of my light and sound equipment, recording equipment, cameras and so on. And a lot of the stuff that I uh, had made, you know, a year or two ago is now not quite up to scratch compared to what I can make for my clients. So I made the conscious decision to try to replicate the most recent quality that I've been able to make for my clients with all of my personal stuff and the marketing content and so on. So that's been a really good exercise and something that I definitely need to keep consciously updating and uh, it's good when you do a big a, a spurt of it let's say and that's been really really useful I'm also very very grateful because someone uh, very close to me's uh, dad had an extra bike sitting in the basement of their flat and he said hey if if you're gonna get use out of it then do you want it and I've got a bike and that's how I get around the city and to be honest it's a bit of an old it's an old guy and it's uh it's falling apart and I've had some problems with it and it makes funny noises and it's not the most comfortable it doesn't really help it, it doesn't make it easy to go up hills and so on and where I live is not the most hilly place in the world but it's certainly not flat so I said, you know, absolutely, and I, I'm just like filled with gratitude, so happy, over the moon with it, and it needs a little bit of work, it needs a, a, a little bit of oil here, a little bit of sprucing up there, but so, I'm back. Obviously, as a listener, this is just going to be a seamless transition, you're not going to know the difference, but I had a little bit of a tech problem, some battery issues. It's funny, like, the, those little things happen, and... It reminds me so much of the importance of the details, the attention that you need to pay to the little details when it comes to this kind of stuff. Anything that's to do with recording, filming, audio, video, content, 
anything where you're dependent upon any kind of electrical appliance in order to make sure that you can get the result that you want, you've got to be ready for it. And uh, check your batteries. Check your batteries. Do you have all your cables? Is everything completely in order? Does everything work? And uh, luckily, with this podcast, I'm just at home. I have other batteries. I've got about 27 batteries, all of them with different levels of electricity left inside them and uh some of them are rechargeable some of them are not so there you go i spent a little bit of time just there and threw away the ones that need to be thrown away recharged the ones that can be recharged and i found two new ones that have energy in them and they're now in the recorder so lesson word to the wise check your batteries (laughs) that's something i can say as a um a freelancer, a little bit of a tip to anyone out there who wants to get into this stuff. It's honestly, people ask me all the time with when it comes to the voice acting and the freelancing and all that stuff, like, what kind of equipment should I buy? Like, should do I need to buy like Sennheiser and Rode and these kind of like big brands to, to get uh, like to get started? And I always say to people, first of all, you haven't done anything yet. You haven't even started. So it's not a good idea to buy the best possible monitors. You can buy the best headset, these the best microphone, the best computer, the best anything. Get something that's affordable. Get something that does the job. There's a lot of good stuff out there that's quite cheap in terms of how expensive it used to be over the last five, 10 years. And little things that you don't even realize will make more of a difference than spending that extra 1,000 euros to get the best mic. For example, making sure you always have very high-quality, long-lasting, rechargeable batteries. That's something that will benefit you way more when you're starting than any uh, high-level microphone you could possibly buy. Because if you've got a high-level lapel mic plugged into a high-level audio recorder but no batteries you're screwed, you can't record anything. So think more about, or another example, if you have a high quality microphone, a high quality audio recorder, but you're recording in your bathroom and there's heaps of echo and it sounds terrible, then there's no amount of editing or post-production that you can do that's going to fix that. So think about little things like the recording environment. How far away are you from the microphone? Have you tested all of the different rooms in your house and found out which one sounds the best do you have all of the cables all of the batteries everything that you need to make sure that you can do the thing that you need to do is your software up to date if you if you are running a deadline and you need to get something up and then you can't get up your thing exported for some reason because you haven't got the right software these little things are as important if not more important in my opinion than making sure that you have the top of the line equipment. I've got to the stage now where I do have some of the top of the line equipment, the the best practice stuff that's out there on the market. But I must say it's it's very often that I do most of my projects with the stuff that I bought in the beginning or or the second version of the stuff that I bought. And I use very uh, straightforward workflows in my editing. I don't spend a lot of time making sure that um, I, I try to make things as good as possible in the recording, in the filming, in the creation moment, so that there's less 
work to do in the post-production because very often you can try as much as you can to, as you say in the UK, to polish a turd. But a turd's a turd. And if you recorded a turd, it's going to sound turdy. So don't sound turdy. Make it sound good. Think about all of the other things and make sure that you're organized. <laughs> That's definitely something I would, uh, I would give as a, a, a piece of lived experience advice in this kind of world. So I was talking for about 10 or 11 minutes, I think, before, and that makes me think that I was roughly at the stage where I was talking about a loved one whose dad has offered me a bike that had been sitting in a basement for five, ten years, never used. And it's it's funny because it's, it's something that I really need in my life that I've not been able to uh, upgrade or haven't had the resources or the mind frame or the time or the energy to upgrade. And I've kind of just been trudging along with my old bike for a long time. Um, it gets me from A to B, I can't complain, it's been a really good servant and it was not very expensive when I bought it, so obviously you get what you pay for. But this uh, this new one, well, new to me, is a classic bike, it's, it's probably about 20 or 30 years old, but it looks like it's never been ridden, it's in really good nick. I'm going to take care of it like it's a, a child or something and... It needs a little bit of work, it needs a, a lick of oil here and a little bit of tightening here and so on. I'm going to get a good lock that's probably cost the same as my bike that it's replacing. And uh, it's it feels good. It's kind of one of those things where you have to you have to just have an open heart and be so grateful when someone insists that you, you take something like that. I understand that this gentleman will not be using this item. It's, it's gathering dust in the basement. He caught wind that, I, that I'm that i riding this terrible bike and what a kind-hearted person. He was like, hey, there's one sitting there that's that I bought years ago that I've never even ridden and I know it's in good nick. You could probably use it. If, you, if it fits you, then just take it, take it today. And I was like, wow, are you sure, you know, like my... Uh, I have a, like a guilty voice in my head that's like, are you sure, really? Let me give you some money. Can I m make this up to you in some way? And, and he's just insistent, you know? Like, this is a really kind-hearted individual who just wanted me to have uh, this this item that he's no longer using. And he obviously also feels good about the fact that it's actually going to get some use, regardless of who, who he's giving it to. It's also a, a nice thing to, to know that something that you have had for a long time that you you know you, you might even just want to get rid of it that it's actually going to be cared for and loved so that's almost to me the way I see the world that's the universe giving you a little bit of a leg up that's the universe giving you a little bit of a breadcrumb something you can follow something that you need to be grateful for something you need to be open uh, op to open your heart and say thank you with gratitude and to treat it like something that you respect and that you care for that's now under your care that's something i'm very very grateful for this week and i definitely wanted to share it with you guys and i'm definitely going to pay the favor on i'm for sure going to send him a bottle of whiskey or something nice and a nice card or something and uh it's really nice it's really great so i'm super super grateful for that and uh what else is going on there hasn't been any more movement in terms of when 
live events and so on will be back but like I said in the last episode I've been able to confirm a few regular weekly shows when whenever we can be back and I started doing the graphics and the posters and so on for that ready for when the gates are open so that feels really nice that it feels a bit more crystallized when you've actually got a concept you've actually got a name you've got something that you can start marketing I'm going to definitely do some social media pushing and so on for that to make sure we get bums on seats and just make the most out of the opportunity to have as much stage time as I can I like to perform every single night if it's possible if if and if possible more than once a night there's in the city where I live I'm very spoiled when everything is up and running that uh, there's several shows per night that you can do and if you're a hustler and you're out there people see it and they give you spots and it's that kind of a uh, situation here so I'm really looking forward to that and also to having my own shows where it's a slightly different approach because you're hosting you're able to try some new material but you're also making sure that the crowd is happy that everyone is kind of integrated that the vibe is good that the vibe is what it should be for a show um, and that the comedians kind of know what they're doing and that you you know you, you have to like jump in and jump out depending on how things go and Sometimes you've got a really experienced comedian that takes a lot of risks and the show doesn't, his set or her set doesn't go that well, then you need to kind of jump in and bring the vibe up a little bit for the next person. Or if someone's just absolutely slammed and done an amazing job, then you can kind of just like play the MC and just sort of move on and get, get the next guy up as, or the next gal up as quickly as possible. I'm really looking forward to that new challenge. That's something I've done a few times, a handful of times on other people's shows. Um, so the hosting element is definitely something I'm looking forward to and I touched on it earlier in the podcast this clubhouse uh, vibe the daily show and this this uh, hosting a room and bringing people in and having this kind of ongoing conversation and constantly resetting the room constantly introducing people and keeping the the topic uh, being discussed on track and so on all of that is definitely definitely helpful for what I'm trying to achieve in terms of uh, the, the comedy and the entertainment and the live discussions and so on. So it's really, really great. And I'm, again, super, super grateful for that. So all in all, it's been a pretty good week. I would say it's been relatively business as usual, nothing too crazy going on. And it's been a pleasure, obviously, sharing that with you guys and connecting with you on this kind of personal level and so that you have an insight into what I'm up to, what I'm doing as a person in addition to hosting this show. And we're going to have a little bit of music now before we get into the ancient affairs and esoteric side of the show, where this week we're going to be discussing lucid dreaming. So this week, I really wanted to start the discussion about dreaming and lucid dreaming. 
And I say start because I think there's tens and tens and tens or hundreds of podcast episodes that could be dedicated to this topic. I think it's something that's very deep, very meaningful, very interesting, very underexplored, to be honest. And I've had some of the most profound experiences of my life, I would say, quite literally, in dreams and in lucid dreams. I'll get into that a little bit more specifically my experiences with it recently and the experiences I've had in my life. But one thing I want to say really quickly before we start is that a huge amount of the knowledge and understanding that I have regarding dreams and lucid dreams is through learning and reading and listening to podcasts and watching videos made by a few key people. And the specific person who I'd like to give a huge shout out because it's just this absolute depth of knowledge in terms of dreaming and lucid dreaming. It's a guy called Robert Wagner. Now, Robert Wagner has written a series of books. He's been on loads of different podcasts. He's got a website dedicated to lucid dreaming. And he's sort of second to none in terms of someone who's done the boots on the ground research in terms of lucid dreaming and dreaming. I believe if I am correct with my understanding of the story of where he started is that he had been doing something like 10 to 20 years of research into dreaming and lucid dreaming way before there was any published peer-reviewed legitimate scientific information on the topic or anyone with any kind of keen interest really looking into it from um, the Western scientific community. And a lot of his experience and research and study came firsthand. So this guy dedicated a huge portion of his life in the dream world, essentially, just being in the dream world and experimenting and getting little bits of data, getting little clues, and then going deeper and deeper and finding out new things, finding out new methods, finding out new outcomes, understanding more about what that world is, what that dream scenario actually is and how you can use it, how it can teach you things, how it can, um, you know, be a good thing, be a bad thing. Also, the levels of control that you can and can't have, the, 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 the way that the whole thing kind of pans out. So I just want to make a huge, huge shout out to Robert Wagner. I want to point anyone who's listening to this podcast to his stuff. He has a website. He has all kinds of stuff on YouTube and a big uh, presence online. He's written books, including the most prominent one, which is called uh, Lucid Dreaming Gateway to the Inner Self. I believe. And I'm going to put a little link into all of this stuff in the show notes in the episode notes for this episode. So please, please, please check out his stuff. Most of what I know comes from his information and his long life dedicated to researching and understanding this topic. In general, I just want to also add that I get a lot of inspiration and uh, I, I, I I give a lot of credence to the researchers and the investigators that are out there doing the hard work 
it's not necessarily always the people who are stu studiously minded and who have spent a long time researching topics and understanding things from a high level, from a academical level, but rather the people who are out there doing the walk, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. I can reel off a handful of people who I look up to in this regard. For example, Brian Forster, who's had a, also a episode dedicated to him a few weeks ago. Also, Graham Hancock, Randall Carlson, Robert Bavall. I love the YouTube channel Uncharted X. It's a guy who spends a lot of his time and a lot of hard work and a lot of dedication to creating some really quite awesome content on YouTube, filming on-site, high-quality videos. I can tell that he's got a gimbal and a, a, a good you know, workflow and an editing system and all kinds of stuff that, that you need to create really, really good content. And he has, on top of that, a really likable personality and he makes just a really great packaged content and it's some of the best stuff that you can find on YouTube in terms of really being at these crazy ancient sites that have heaps of anomalies and all kinds of uh, uh, you know unanswered questions and he's just someone one of the many people who's out there on the on the hunt for these things I want to have my own so this podcast is my first foray into my insight on all of these topics and the ones that I find meaningful, the things that I would like to shout about. And everything that I say is rooted in the idea that we should be questioning things. We should be not just accepting the narratives that are given to us in terms of our ancient history, in terms of consciousness. I just follow a lot of these leading lights in the alternative field and I want to make a, a point there just to say, look into these guys. There's a lot of other people who, you know, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculously long list of uh, great researchers out there who are doing the hard work themselves and going against the grain. Hugh Newman is another one who pops to mind. There's a really great podcast called Ascend, the Ascend podcast. I really, really enjoy watching that guy's content. He's got also a very, very uh, genuine, likable personality. I really, I tune into all his stuff and I've learned a lot from him. And these are all also people who I would really aspire to have conversations with in, in person or, you know, digitally as, as, as whatever would be possible now. And uh, so whoever's listening to this, if you have an open mind and you're not just going, you're, you're not just someone who goes with the grain and takes the information that is given to them without questioning it, then by all means, do your own research, find your own leading lights, and uh, maybe some of these can be the start for you. So Robert Wagner, where was, where was I? I digress. <laughs> if, if, you, if you're listening to this, uh, these, this podcast, then you probably realize that I am a bit of a lateral thinker. I kind of get lost into little rabbit holes as I'm speaking. So we've gone from that back to Robert Wagner specifically, lucid dreaming. That's what we're talking about. So so I'll do a little bit of a summary of the research that I understood from Robert Wagner. Now, this comes after a few episodes of podcasts where I found this this amazing character and his incredible work. 
including a specifically a couple of episodes on the Ascend podcast. And I really, really enjoyed listening to it. I tried some of the techniques and they started to work for me. So Robert Wagner essentially, in my understanding, has collected a series of data points regarding dreaming and lucid dreaming. One of the insights that he said was that children are very typically deep, deep dreamers. They can really have these incredible experiences when they're dreaming. And not only that, they can also control a lot of their dreams or at least be part of the dreams consciously without even sort of knowing the difference between waking conscious world here in the 3D realm versus being in that dream world. That was something that I saw in this podcast that I saw of Robert Wagner. And it really rang true to me because I was someone as a kid who had awful nightmares. I had some really lovely dreams and like beautiful times when I was asleep. But I had some really terrible years where honestly, I I feared going to sleep. I couldn't face the idea that at some point in this night, it my dream would become a nightmare. And then I'd have the, this panic, this horrible, horrible onset of you know, just really anxious feelings, deep uh, fear, horror, everything. Every, all, all the worst feelings you can imagine having as a kid all bo- bo- boiled into one in my dreams. And it made me fear going to sleep. I would, I would honestly do anything I could not to have to go to sleep. And if I did have to go to sleep, I would always want to have a light on. I would always want to have some kind of a noise like a fan or something that that could kind of, you know, distract me a little bit. And uh, I would freak out in the middle of the night screaming. And very often, very often I would wake up with like essentially panic attacks and, and just, I was a really sort of not a still sleeper for years, for years and years. And I was essentially resigned to the fact that this was unchangeable. I didn't really, at the time, know why all this was happening, but I would have these recurring dreams, new dreams, all kinds of stuff that would happen very regularly that upset my sleep for years, five, 10, maybe even 15 years. It was it was really quite bad. And uh, when I when I heard that on the podcast that kids are very susceptible to dreams and also are very much having lucid dreams regularly, much more so than adults, and remembering their dreams, that really rang true to me. So I think it's important to say quickly what the difference is between a a normal, so to say, dream and a lucid dream. Now, a typical dream scenario is, especially in my experience, but also what I understood from um, Robert Wagner's work and his, you know, his collection of the experiences of many people, is that a dream is when you're having the story, this narrative that's kind of playing out. So let's say I always I always used to have them where I was walking, let's say, down a street, and then I didn't know that I was dreaming in the sense that I went to sleep, and then next thing you know, you're walking down the street. You don't know the difference between the fact that you were lying down on your bed with your eyes shut, drifting into sleep, and then that you're walking down the street. There is no, this is how how I experienced it, there is no line that blurs between, that, that, that 
divides the two. It's blurry. You don't realize it. So I'm suddenly just walking down the street. It feels quite real. And then something might happen. There'll be uh, uh, an event of some sort, whether it's a crash between two cars or, uh, you know, someone going past you on a bike or you walk up to a, a house and then you kind of open the door and then you realize in the dream, in this moment, that you have a task to do. So very often I would have some kind of a task, whether it was to get to somewhere within a certain time, to find something that was missing, to communicate with someone who I need to communicate with. Very often it's a sort of mix of people I know, people I don't know, family members, family friends. Just it's a kind of like a amalgamation seemingly of my memories, my subconscious mind, and it's all kind of playing out in this narrative. And the interesting thing is that sensations and feelings are the same as in your waking life. So in a non-lucid dream, a normal dream, you're walking down the street. If you feel some fear because something has just happened and now you feel like you need to run away, that fear feeling is as real as when you're in your waking life. So suddenly there's a car crash or something, you feel a fear and then you feel the need to run away and you start running. And then you start running, you're running away, you're doing everything you can to get away from this thing that's 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 chasing you or or this, uh, you know, this feeling that doesn't feel good. And then you, you come to a door, let's say you open the door, you close the door, and then you can hear whatever this is, this thing, on the other side of the door, it's banging at the door and the fear intensifies. The fear intensifies, the feelings intensify, the emotions intensify. All of that feels very real, even though it's a dream in the sense that you haven't in the 3D realm opened a door physically and tried your best to escape from something that's chasing you. It's, it's happening not in the 3D world, but for some reason, the effects on you in terms of the feelings that you feel in your consciousness are the same. Same thing could be said about a dream where you have something euphoric that happens. You're at your favorite band's concert and then they ask you to come up on the stage and play and you absolutely nail the event and you do it You do it perfectly. Everything is awesome. You, you, it's like, that's what people say, right? It's a dream come true. It feels like you have that triumphant glory and then you wake up after the dream and if you remember the dream, you can remember those feelings. You can remember how it felt to be on that stage, killing it with your favorite band. Or, or let's say you, you have your, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, appeal to other people. Maybe it's, it's your favorite item or your favorite car or your favorite sports team or your favorite, whatever it is that, 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 that might have happened in your dream. It feels real. And the same thing can be said about embarrassing things. There's this kind of common dream that a lot of people have where they're in front of their whole school or their whole workplace or their whole community and they've got to do something and they choke or they fail or suddenly they're naked or suddenly they they can't speak or suddenly they're you know their trousers fall down or, or they fall off the stage and everyone's laughing and there's this kind of horror embarrassment shame feeling that is all engulfing and if you wake up from a dream like that 
for, for at least a few moments, you feel those feelings. Your heart rate is pumping, you're sweating. It's very, very intense. So one thing that I definitely experienced is that when I'm having a dream, the feelings that I feel in the dream are as real as the feelings I feel in normal waking life. So that's definitely one thing that differentiates a dream from a lucid dream. A lucid dream is when you are able to come to terms with the fact that you're not in the waking life anymore and that you are in a dream whilst you're still in the dream. So let's say in the first scenario that I painted, I go to sleep, suddenly I'm walking down the street and again that line is really blurry so at this point I don't know that I'm in a dream and then a few odd things happen and then I realize because these few odd things happen, like let's say for example, someone who I know to be dead is in my dream, or a house that I know doesn't exist anymore because it got knocked down is in my dream, then some little things happen that make you, as the experiencer of the dream, question whether or not this reality is a real reality or the reality that you expect. In that moment, you can become lucid. And that means that you're awake in the sense that you are lucidly aware that you are dreaming whilst you're still in the dream. So that's that's a really nice way that uh, Robert Wagner puts it. And I remember when I heard him say that, I've had that experience hundreds of times. As a kid, I remember very, very clearly having dreams where I was walking and then something weird happened and I realized that's so weird that that can't be true. Oh my God, I'm in a dream. And then I would be able to kind of decide to fly or to go underwater and be able to breathe or to do feats of strength that were way beyond me as a five-year-old or a seven-year-old or to, you know, have these, uh, you know, crazy, awesome experiences. And then conversely, I've also had, as a kid, a lot of dream experiences where I realized I was dreaming, I was lucidly aware, and then... I started to feel some fear because of whatever reason and then I was lucidly aware of a nightmare coming together. So these kind of like terror, terrifying dreams, a lot of them when I was young were lucid. It wasn't just that I was following this kind of narrative that was just playing out in front of me. Very often it was actually something that was lucidly happening in my reality. So that's a a bit of a description of what the difference is between a lucid dream and a normal dream. Now, there are ways that you can become lucid. So you don't just have to kind of leave it to chance and hope or wait for the day that you realize that you're dreaming in the dream. There's these things called triggers that Robert Wagner has uh, proposed. He learned one after speaking to Uh, or after reading a book about dreams written by a shaman. Um, I hope I've understood that story correctly, or that I've remembered it correctly. And the shaman said in this book, find your hands. So Robert Wagner has this technique where he says, tonight in my dreams, I'll look at my hands and realize I'm dreaming. And you do this just before you go to bed, like a little mantra. You just put your hands, both of them, up in front of your face and you say, Tonight in my dreams, I look at my hands and realize I'm dreaming. Tonight in my dreams, I look at my hands and realize I'm dreaming. You can say it however you want. You know, it doesn't have to be those exact words. It doesn't even have to be your hands. You could say, tonight in my dreams, 
I'll I'll look at my arms and realize I'm dreaming. Or tonight in my dreams, I'll touch the nearest wall and realize I'm dreaming. Tonight in my dreams, I'll be more critically aware of the surroundings I have and if there's something weird, I'll realize I'm dreaming. You can create these scenarios where in the waking life, you test yourself and it's obviously not a dream. Like, for example, every time you either sit down or stand up, you just say to yourself, am I dreaming? No. Next time, an hour later, you get up, you go, am I dreaming? No. And you do that all day. Let's say you do it 15, 20 times in the day, however many times you stand up and sit down. Then when you're in the dream, you will stand up at some point and you will think, am I dreaming? And then you'll realize, yes, yes, I am dreaming because I am not me. I don't look like this normally or the people around me don't look like this normally or something weird is happening. Why is that wall melting? Why is there a, a, a plant that's speaking to me? All of these things are, are, are odd. They're not of my normal existence and that's your trigger. Boom, you're awake in the dream. You're lucidly aware that you're dreaming. Now, once you get to that point where you're lucidly aware that you're dreaming, this is what I'm now, this is the, the, the precipice point where I now am. There's a huge level of possibility with what you can do, what you can learn, and what you can experience in those moments. So this is something that I've experienced myself, and I found this absolutely mind blowing the first time this happened. After several weeks of trying to, to trigger myself to realize that I'm dreaming, to be lucidly aware, I had moments where the dream characters who were around me that were previously in that moment part of my dream, let's say I was in the scenario that I painted at the beginning, I'm walking down the street, I'm with an old friend from school, uh, you know, maybe my, one of my parents is in the car next to me and there's some things happening, blah, blah, blah. I do the thing where I check my hands or I become critically aware or whatever it is that, that triggers me to realize that I'm lucidly aware in the dream. And then all of a sudden, those characters stop playing those roles that they're playing in the narrative of my normal dream. And in fact, they kind of just sit there blankly. They're kind of like waiting for the next step. So at that point, you can do this thing which is absolutely incredible and you can just turn to one of the characters and straightforwardly, clearly, with your voice in the dream, ask them, what do you represent? Why are you here? Why are you part of my dream? And bafflingly, I, I, I would not have believed this until I experienced it myself that they often answer. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they run away cheekily. Sometimes they give you a weird gibberish answer that doesn't make sense. Sometimes they ignore you. Sometimes nothing happens. But sometimes when you ask them what they represent, they tell you. I've had experiences where I've been having a dream it's, it's a sort of weird situation, something's happening, I'm with my ex-boss, we've got to put up a painting or something, something odd, you know, like a normal dream. Then I realize, I'm like, oh, I'm dreaming. I'll turn to the boss and say, I know I'm dreaming, what do you represent? 
And I've had situations where the dream characters have said some things to me that seem so odd and profound and uh, specific that it almost doesn't feel like it's uh, an unconscious being. It feels like you're actually speaking to some level of intelligence or consciousness. I wouldn't quite say it's like speaking to a person. It's almost like speaking to a haze of what a person is, like an aura. Because like I said, sometimes they are cheeky, sometimes they just disappear, sometimes they ignore you. But a few times I've asked, what do you represent? And I've been given some really deep information about myself and my situation. Now, I've had a lot of these experiences over the last year or so since I've been doing this, uh, this, this lucid dreaming exercise. But I'll share just one where it ties in with one of the episodes that I had previously on this podcast where I spoke about how I had a, uh, a, a, a situation where I learned something about myself. It was a spiritual encounter and I had a moment where I realized I need to speak clearly. I need to have my thoughts articulated into speech clearly. And when I say something to someone, it should be said in such a way that they hear it properly, that it impacts them, that they that I have said something and I meant to say it, and then there would come a response, whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whatever feedback, maybe they'll ignore it, maybe they won't answer, whatever. But I just need to know that I did the best I could to communicate my thought in the most forthright and clear way possible. And that's something that I've been hindered by in the past. So that's something that I've been working on. And I had that realization through this kind of spiritual experience. I'm not going to get into that again. But something that that has happened recently in a dream is I was in a situation where it was a it was actually a nightmare situation. Let's say I was on my laptop in the dream, obviously not aware I'm dreaming at this point, and I'm being hacked. And, and there's all this kind of like, uh, uh, stuff happening on you know, digitally. There's all kinds of chaos and pandemonium. It doesn't really make sense, but essentially I'm under attack in some way and I really feel those emotions and I really feel like under threat, under pressure, and it's kind of unclear. It's I'm not even really sure what's happening, but the story is kind of weird and muddy. And then I realized very suddenly, like, wait a minute, this 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 can't be happening because... It just doesn't make sense. Wait, hold on, hold on. Let me just think about this a little bit critically. And then boom, all of a sudden, I'm immediately all of those emotions of fear and withdrawal and, and nervousness and anxiety disappeared in an instant. And I completely instantly became lucid. And the characters who were forming part of the dream, it's almost like they just drop tools. They just become blank actors. And they're kind of now just looking at me, waiting, or sort of like a couple of them are kind of looking away, a couple of them are looking at me, and I realize very instantly, okay, I'm lucid, right, I'm going to ask, what do you guys represent? And I kind of say it to them, looking at them all very clearly, and one of them just looks at me and just goes, not a lot. And then they just disappear into the mist, you know, they just sort of like dissipate. Then suddenly another dream character that wasn't part of them is standing there and he looks, uh, he's a little bit older, he's got, uh, you know, like graying hair, um, he's, he's smartly dressed, 
he's kind of just standing there and I go okay well what do you represent and then suddenly this gentleman so this doctor character is now looking at the chart and he he's looking me up and down and he says yeah there's a lot of good stuff going on here but uh there's a lot of some of these behaviors they've they're very old and I was like what do you mean they're old he's like just in terms of how long they've been there and I asked like how can I change that that was my first question how can I change that I didn't quite understand what he was meaning at that point but his response was get out there speak to more people and I was like whoa wait a minute that links exactly to what I was this breakthrough moment that I had recently where I realized that a lot of my anxiety and my mental blocks in terms of overthinking not being confident not speaking my truth and and rather choosing to be withdrawn and quiet when that's really actually not my personality has manifested itself in my speech in my actions and also physically in my jaw I remember that I've sometimes closed my mouth shut so hard that I can't open it to speak clearly and it's it's been a physical block that stopped me from doing that so now I'm realizing that that's what he's discussing he's talking about that he's like some of these behaviors have been around for too long so that was like a mind-blowing situation and he said you can't get anything you can't fix this in the home office is what he said and I, I was like okay I do go to a co-working space now I said that back and his response was just to look at me like are you kidding and then I sort of the cogs turned in my head again still in the dream my, the cogs turned in my head and I said back to him but I don't really talk to many people when I'm there do I and he was like mm-hmm he was nodding so this is exactly the issue that I have when I am with people who I don't really know that well, but who, let's say, are in the same kind of domain as me. Maybe they're other comedians. Maybe they're, uh, you know, a, a friend of a friend or some someone like that. And, and sometimes I, I put myself into a place where I'm not confident to speak, even though I know that it's silly that I'm not like that with everyone. I'm not like that with my friends. I'm not like with that with my loved ones. I'm not even like that with complete strangers, people who I just meet in the street. I'll be very, very forthright and, and open to speak to if that situation comes. But unless I, I sort of have that initiative or some kind of a spark, then I'm very happy to just kind of withdraw and just be a floating consciousness moving around, not interacting with people. And that's not something that, that is healthy for me and that's not something that I want to be doing forever or that I want to be overdoing. There's one thing to, to, to say, okay, sometimes you need to, you know, keep your thoughts to yourself and just kind of have a reflective moment and so on. But to do that every time or to do that more than what naturally feels like you should be doing it is a block, a mental block, a physical block. So here I am in a lucid dream and a psychoanalyst doctor type is telling me the same thing that I've essentially established through another spiritual experience outside of a lucid dream. That was completely mind-blowing to me. The dream kind of goes on, and I have a moment where I'm speaking now to an old teacher of mine, and I ask the teacher, who I'm suddenly faced with because the other guy's gone, I said, how do I implement this? 
And he said, like this. And then suddenly the dream goes foggy and I wake up and I wake up into complete waking consciousness. Something that happens very often when you, you're finishing your lucid dream is that you'll drop back into a dream dream where you don't realize you're dreaming or you'll drop into another lucid dream. Very often I'll wake up thinking that I've woken up in the waking world and then have a whole full experience and then realize, oh, I'm actually not awake yet. And that will happen like five, 10, 20 times. And then I'll actually wake up. But this time when I asked, how do I implement this to my uh, teacher? He said like this, and I, I, the, the fog cleared, it just went completely clear. The dream disappeared and I woke up 100% clearly in the waking world. And I immediately grabbed my notebook and wrote down exactly what happened in the dream, which is another huge thing that Robert Wagner uh, says. If you want to get more into your dreams and into lucid dreaming, start writing down what you're dreaming. Write down what you dream. Write down if you have a lucid dream, if you have a breakthrough, if something works, if something doesn't, start writing it down. And that moment when I was like pouring down all of this uh, information, all of this stuff that's happened in this in this dream, and how the 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 dream character said specifically this thing that I've kind of come to terms with, and how all of that meant so much to me, and I've learned so much from this experience. I realized that the last character who I spoke to, that teacher character, said, "I asked them how do I implement this." He said, "Like this," and then immediately I woke up. It was almost like that character in a way knew that if I woke up, I would write down all this information and then be able to integrate it into my waking life like I have, like I'm now able to discuss it on this podcast episode because I woke up, I remembered it, I wrote it down immediately. If you don't write it down immediately, you might forget it. Dreams just disappear in your in your waking mind. They, they, they don't last very long. You need to do it quickly. As soon as you wake up, before you move too much even, get that information down. So... It was like, it wasn't that this character showed me something else in the dream to show me how to integrate it. It felt almost like this character encouraged me to wake up and to go write the information down and to integrate it. Now, there's many ways of interpreting this type of uh, experience. And I'm sure that anyone who's listening to this will have their own interpretation. Maybe you're a material reductionist and you believe that all of this was an illusion, all of this was just made up in my mind, and uh, to be honest, quite frankly, this sounds very crazy, and that's cool. If that's what you feel, I encourage you to watch Robert Wagner's lectures, listen to his podcast episodes, read his book, go on his website, see the depth of information that there is out there about dreaming and lucid dreaming, and then if you still have that opinion, by all means, you are entitled to it. That's awesome. So you might be of that frame of mind of someone who thinks that this is too wild and, you know, that's your prerogative. You're definitely allowed to think that. And uh, I encourage you to think that if that's how you feel. For me, this was a very, very deep and meaningful experience. This one single dream experience, lucid dream experience, was one of the most powerful I've had. And in next week's episode, I'm going to give a very specific description of another one, or another, it's now happened a few times, where I've had a very, very odd physical vibration sensation that's gone 
up my body and through my spine and so on that has been echoed by other uh, Eastern philosophies in terms of, uh, you know, life, energy, kundalini and all that sort of stuff. So you've got that to look forward to. And as a concluding word for this particular episode, I just want to say that that was a very, very deep and meaningful experience for me. And it felt like I needed it. It felt like it was kind of exactly what I was asking for in that moment. It also felt like something that I already knew and had recently learned and brought into reality that just needed some affirmation. And I've been struggling recently to become lucid and to have those experiences and to have this as one of the first ones is is very clear and meaningful to me. So I don't know if anyone else out there has had lucid dream experiences or intense dream experiences or anything like that. But if you have, then that's awesome. And if you haven't, then I just gave a couple of the techniques in this episode and I would highly, highly encourage you to go listen to Robert Wagner's um, work, read his website, read the other people who are talking about lucid dreaming and dreaming and try it for yourself. You never know what you might learn if you try these things. So it's just as simple as doing something in the comfort of your own home and your own bed and something that you do every night anyway, falling asleep and dreaming. And now every time I go to bed, I almost have this excited feeling that it could be a night where I really learn something deep about myself, about the universe, about meaning, about how things are going and so on. So lucid dreaming, that's the first episode I'm doing on this. Next week's one will be also uh, the esoteric ancient affairs side will also be discussing lucid dreaming experiences that I've had. I'll go into more detail about Robert Wagner's work and what I've taken from it and what I would definitely encourage other people to listen to and to try. And all that's left to say is thank you so much for listening. As always, I really appreciate anyone out there who's listening to this content. I know that there's a thousand things that you could be listening to and you have listened to this episode to the end. So I really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. As always, catch you soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com as well as all of the main podcast platforms.